Hello and welcome to episode three of On the Battlefield with me, your one of your two hosts, uh, Father Joseph, and my friend, Father Michael Marcantoni from the Greek Orthodox Metropolis of Detroit. Yeah, I'm perfect. This is episode three. We're talking about leadership this week, and you can find the first two episodes at Anchor FM at On the Battlefield. You can find us online at on the battlefieldmedia.com and on the social media platforms Facebook and Instagram. You can go to Facebook and Instagram and search for On the Battlefield Podcast, and you can find us there in addition to the uh, podcast episodes. We'll also have up related, uh, related content and uh, other great things for you to check out as well. Sweet, Father Michael. Uh, that's, that's really good news. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about leadership, uh, both from a secular and an ecclesiastical perspective. For me, a leader is someone who takes responsibility, who they lead by example, they serve those whom they lead as as an offering to to those under their care. Yeah, I think I think that's great. I think that's a really good place to start. Um, and it's worth starting out this discussion because I think a lot of people, when they're listening to uh, something on leadership, unless they're in business or unless they're in management or something, they roll their eyes and think this isn't for them. Uh, but this is, this is absolutely fundamental to how to manage your own life well. Um, we have a really poor definition of leadership in general. Uh, I can remember, uh, as our listeners may not be aware uh, back at the seminary, before your senior year, you take a class trip. And some of the guys, and it's, it's a pilgrimage. You're going to monasteries and, uh, and, and notable churches and so forth. And it's a pilgrimage. And some of the guys uh, take their wives. And uh, I remember one of, one of those uh, individuals, one of their wives, we're, we're discussing this topic. She kind of recoiled from it. And she said, she's like, oh, I don't think priests should be leaders. I think that they should like listen to people and serve them. And, and it took me a second to realize uh, she thinks a leader doesn't listen. She thinks a leader just sits up and barks commands. I'm like, I'm like, I, 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 if, if I, and I told her, I said, well, this image that you have, like, if that's what I thought a leader was, yeah, I, I'd agree with you, but that's not what it is. Um, and so like, what is a leader? I like your, I like your free tent. I like your free uh, little points. Um, I, when I was in the army and, and this is really for me, like where, how I understand leadership comes from my time in the service. Um, that's what's conditioned the way I've understood it in the church. Uh, and even as a Christian and as a father, and, you know, I remember, uh, the, the, the seminal story for me, I like to, I like to convey leadership in stories. The seminal story for me in leadership happened when I was a young private. And uh, we were we were gathering for a briefing and uh, all of us who were, you know, we were fresh out of training. We had no rank. We were at a top heavy unit and we're standing at the back of the room and we're, you know, parade rest, just ready to stand there for, you know, an hour or whatever. And this uh, this lieutenant, second lieutenant, so he wasn't a high ranking officer either, but he definitely outranked me. And uh, he, he, he was sitting at a table nearby. And he gave me his seat and I tried to refuse it. And he was like, no, sit down, soldier. And he went and he stood at the back of the room and the officers that were around him gave the other privates their seats and they stood at the back of the room. 
And that to me told me that was, and we never spoke again, but that for me, for my entire adult life, because I was 18 at the time, and now I'm, I'm about to turn 40 here next month. And that, so for my entire adult life, that has been the image for leadership is that you do without so that your people can have. Um, and, and he didn't need to explain that. He gave, he gave me his seat. He, he, there was no obligation to do that. Right. Just I was under his care. This is how you take care of people. And, you know, he expected that I would then go and do likewise. That has been so I, I like your tent post. But to me, that that story image, it's like, yeah, well, and, and that's like every mom listening to this has had to do that because there's like the proverbial last piece of pie or, you know, last piece of lasagna or whatever. And, and, and every kid will ask mom, don't. Mom, do you want this one? And she'll always say, no, sweetie, you can have it. Well, of course she wants it, man. But she, <laughs> she wants you to have it more. Um, and that's, that's leadership. So this trickles down to everything in life. Yeah, it absolutely does. And that reminds me of the, the, the gospel where it says, if you desire to be great among us that you shall become a servant right the word in greek used in that sentence is diakonos and so if you if you wish to if you wish to be great do it by serving yeah and if and if you serve as a leader people will i mean like you like that that story related from the the senior trip we we have this image in our minds of of a strong leader delegating and pointing out things that need to be done and saying, you go and people going and sure that's fine. But those guys that do that without a relationship backing that up, the people are doing it out of compulsion mm-hmm. and they may not always trust that guy, but they're doing it because they're soldiers. It's my job. I got to put food on the table and I'm going to listen to you, but I don't like it. Then you have people like like Jesus. You have people like that lieutenant that you spoke of. Uh, you have uh, people like there's priests and bishops in my life who have led as servants toward me. And I see in them, I serve them because they've shown me how to serve. And I know that they have my best interest in mind. And I know that they love me. And that is a wonderful motivating factor. When, when, you, when you love and you trust the person that you're following. That makes all the difference in the world. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, when you, when, you, when you love and you trust the person you're following, you'll also go the extra mile. In fact, it's not even an extra mile. It's just the mile. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I know Jesus uses that imagery in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you know, if someone compels you to carry their pack, for a, a mile carry it too but you know right. the next step the next step is love where it's like man we're going two or three miles not because i'm compelled you know he's like yeah you're compelled you go the extra mile but what about when you're not compelled what about when it's is this is leadership when this is love i'm not compelled it's i'm here because this is the next right thing to do this is what i it, it's not that you have made me do this it's that i'm doing something for you and that means going a little bit farther with the hope that you then go a little bit farther. Um, it, 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 it's, it's all of these things are, are exponential. So like when Jesus asks, he says, well, who in the parable of the good Samaritan, who, who was a neighbor to the man? 
Well, he says, okay, the one who, who did neighborly things, the one who, uh, who, who helped him. He said, well, go and do likewise. So the expectation is you get that put in front of you, go and do likewise. Uh, Father Joseph, you know what the words um, – and, and, and this will bring it into the point because I, I was made a sergeant in country, right? I was, uh, I was brought into the tiers of the, of the non-commissioned officer side of leadership while I was in Afghanistan. Um, and because I knew I wasn't staying in, I never went officer, but I mean, I had my degree. I could have. Um, but in any event, uh, what, do you know what the word diaconos, deacon, sergeant, and samurai all have in common? Uh, service. Yeah. In my, in my, uh, my, my, in my homily at my ordination to the diaconate, I, I talked about this and this is way back when, so. Uh, but yeah, yeah so, so long so, ago. Yeah, so, so <laughs> deacon, deacon, diaconos, um, samurai, and sergeant all mean servant in their respective language. You know, and there are all these strong images that we look at as someone who is who is like bear who has the strength to bear the load of service. Service is not an easy thing. It takes a load to bear. It demands professionalism. Um, you know, it is not fun. But it, it, but this is someone who has the strength to bear it, and we admire them. Um, and, and and so, like we're looking at that, we're looking at the the ability to have the strength to serve and to do for others under duress. Look at these terms. Uh, I mean, both samurai and sergeant are military terms, right? Uh, you know, uh, and uh, they're both military terms, meaning you're expected to be able to render that service under. Uh, the greatest of duress, the duress of battle. And, uh, and then the Akonos, well, I mean, that, 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 the deacon, that's right up there in that because the very first martyr of Christian history was a deacon. And that's in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, Stephen, Stephanos, was the very first martyr in the book of Acts to die for Jesus Christ. And he was a deacon. He had just been made a deacon. So, I mean, whether you're talking... Uh, diaconate service or military service being a be having the strength to do that under duress and in difficulty is uh, it, it's front and center and that's something that happens everywhere because like you know the the restaurant owner like we have we all have lots of restaurant owners in our community and they have to do all of this service why because if they step away from their restaurant at the wrong time and the wrong day the whole thing could collapse could fold or business owners. I, I, I've known so many good business owners and entrepreneurs who have taken money out of their own pockets to make sure that they can pay payroll, especially in these times of the pandemic. Uh, people who are going like, OK, we're going to make sure that my people have payroll. Well, that's I mean, again, it, it's this idea under pressure, under duress. Do you have the fortitude to bear service to others? And if you're a Christian, the answer is supposed to default is yes. Right. And in, in, in business at a high level and even within the church, there is this idea of servant leadership that we learn from Jesus, um, what, what it looks like to be a genuine leader. And if, and if we can't call Jesus a genuine leader, uh, I think that we've really, to a very high degree, misunderstood Jesus. I mean, he is the Theanthropos. He is the God-man. And he came in to show how it is that he developed a plan to save his people. And he led the charge. 
he he made the way through his own voluntary kenosis, his own voluntary self-emptying. He led the charge to save his beloved. And if the, and if that is not an example of leadership, or and even if you're not a leader at work, you are definitely a leader at home, whether you are married with and have children, just married, or a single person. You are a leader in your own life. And we have to learn and make that indelible mark in our souls to remember that we are leaders 24 hours a day, whether we like it or not, in some regard. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, take let's let's go into a liturgical context. I mean, like, so uh, I don't come from, you know, my family's not super church going or anything. Uh, but I mean, you know, they go sometimes, but most of them don't go at all. Uh, my parents will go sometimes, uh, but that's about it, really. So uh, in any event, right, like, look at that. So like, how did I learn the creed? Well, I didn't learn it because I came from a super pious family. But when I, I remember, I distinctly remember being a boy and standing next to my dad in service. And, he, and at that time, he wasn't an every week kind of guy. He's much more observant now. But I noticed that when it came time to recite the creed, he was reciting it. And the other grown-ups around him were reciting it. And like every boy, I wanted to be a man. And here's this man that I'm basing my image of manhood off of. And he knows those words. So those are man words. So like, well, if I want to be a man, I guess I better know those words too. What are those words? And I remember watching his lips until I figured those words out. You know, that was leadership. And he didn't even know. He didn't know I was, I was paying attention to that. He wasn't thinking about that. Well, but what would happen if a kid's sitting next to someone who's just rolling their eyes and looking at their watch? Well, you're leading them. You are teaching them, hey, when you grew up, this isn't important. When you when you become a man, you become a woman that you can like you, you can you're, you're above this. This is beneath you. You know, let let the kiddos mouth with uh, mouth with grandma. But when you grow up, you can be dismissive of this. Well, guess what? That's a very that's a that's a negative type of leadership. You're leading them. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, what are they seeing when they look at you? Uh, it, you actually are leading whether you want to or not. Um and I've had to I've had to impress over time. I've had to endeavor to impress that upon um, all the various people in the congregations I've served. Like, hey, by the way, the way not just bringing your kids to the church, but the way that you bring them to church is essential because you're leading them. If they if I get to if they get to 18 and they think this was a chore, chances are they observed you thinking it was a chore. Yeah, all the all of the implied things that we teach our children, you know, where we think about the things that we teach them explicitly, but I'm still learning this even in my own life that I I probably actually teach my children and those around me more through implication than I do explication. That that they learn from just watching what I do and how I act and how I respond far more than what they do based on what I say. Uh, and I mean, and, it, and, it, and it's also a matter of how do we form those priorities? So like, once again, going back to the army and speaking of creeds, uh, when you become a sergeant, there is a creed. It's called the NCO creed that you that you learn. And in it, it says also one of the, a couple of the lines are I'm truncating some different pieces here because I think it makes the point well. But uh says all soldiers are entitled to outstanding leadership. I will provide that leadership. 
And it, all, it goes on to say, I know my soldiers and I will always place their needs by always place their needs before my own uh, being impartial and fair when recommending both rewards and punishments. Hmm. So, so you're talking about saying like, Hey, so that's servant leadership. I'm placing your uh, others needs above my own, but it's because you have power over them in the situation that you can do that. And the, and, um, and it's, you're going to be fair about it. It's not a matter of like, do you like them? It's like, no, no, no. I, I have the strength to be impartial and fair. And we're, and we're going to, to execute that for your benefit. Because why? What are you entitled to? Outstanding leadership. Well, I mean, we could replace this with parishioners. You know, every Christian is entitled to outstanding ministry. I will provide that ministry. I know my parishioners and will always place their needs for my own, so forth and so on. Uh, I mean, it, like, it's a very applicable attitude for the Christian life. So, Father Michael, let's change gears real quick here. But first, uh, don't forget, you can find us online at onthebattlefieldmedia.com and also on Facebook and Instagram at On the Battlefield Podcast. On the Battlefield Podcast works for both. And also here at On the Battlefield on anchor fm so father michael uh, back to the discussion uh in the saint john chrysostom said these words and i'm going to read it to you there is a combination of two qualities which marks true church leaders are they humble about their own abilities and at the same time can they discern the abilities of others the most basic task of church leaders is to discern the spiritual gifts of all those under their authority and to encourage those gifts to be used to the full for the benefit of all. Only a person who can discern the gifts of others and can humbly rejoice at the flowering of those gifts is, to fit, is fit to lead the church. St. John Chrysostom. And I wanted to read that because it may not seem like it at first glance, but St. John is talking exactly about what we are talking about right now that the leader is to take responsibility for those around them to care for them to see their strengths to see their weaknesses to see his own strengths and his own weaknesses and use the strengths of everyone in the church for the glory of god and to cover down as we spoke about last week with the shield of faith to cover down the guy to their left and everyone behind them. And if, and this is not just the priest, but primarily, a specific, especially the priest, I guess you could say, the job of all church leaders, the parish council, people leading at the chant stand, people leading uh, altar service, people leading in Sunday school, people who are leading the welcoming committee, people on the finance committee, all of these leaders are supposed to be looking for the strengths and the abilities of others and promote those strengths and abilities and to serve those people by allowing them to flower and grow even and, and to especially be humble about their own strengths and weaknesses. What do you have to say about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, back, I mean, for, you're, you're 100% correct. You know, but if we take a territorial attitude towards leadership and a territorial attitude towards ministry, uh, we undo everything that we're doing. So one of the things that um, one of the worst things that could happen, for example, to someone serving 
in, in in the military, you know, if they were if they were in the if they were a sergeant or staff sergeant or whatever, is for none of the people under their care to be promoted. Like if if the people that you are training do not rise into the tiers of leadership themselves, you failed. And we forget that as Christians. And, and you know, we 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 form these we form these little uh, monopolies where like I'm the only one who can chant or I'm the only one who can bake this. Or if you've got more than two priests in a church, very often I'm this one's the I'm the only one who can do the preaching or do this or that. And it's like, well, hold on. Then that the, you're you're not only are you not serving, you're hobbling these other people. Failure to do that, failure to discern and develop the gifts that others have in Christ doesn't just do them a disservice. You hobble them, and and you're and you starve everyone else that they could have helped, that they could have served. You know. You, you might be the, you know, the well-experienced senior priest with 30 years in, and that new kid might be freshly out of seminary. But guess what? There's something about him that Jesus Christ thought was worth ordaining. And there might be someone sitting in the pews that needs to hear from him today and not you. Amen. So <laughs> a, a modicum of humility. And if we're and if or, or what I really hate, this happens a lot within orthodoxy. We get these really specialized, highly technical skills, and we bemoan the fact that no one else knows them, but we also don't teach them. Uh, and, and, ch- and, and good chanting is, I hate to say it because I know a lot of great chanters and I respect them all, but it's front and center. We'll, we'll bemoan the fact that like, oh, how come people don't know how to do Byzantine chant? But we won't let them chant because they can't do it right. But if they don't get up there and fail and they don't get up there and try and if they don't uh, you know, if they don't make a bad show today because, you know, they're learning the hard way, if they don't if they don't have the, the freedom to do that, they'll never learn. And our, this art form will die out. The sacred music will die. Um, we, 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 we can't be so we can't be so worried about the spectacle and less worried about the development of the individual. And that attitude pours into leadership on all the other levels. It, what usually happens is we're worried about the spectacle. We want the house to look right. We want uh, we want the you know the ministry to look right or the chanting to look right or or whatever the thing is that we're micromanaging. And I think that's ultimately what we're talking about here: micromanaging. We're we're not developing someone else. We're not giving them the freedom to do what they need to do. We're doing what we're micromanaging because no one else knows how to do it. Now the whole thing is hobbled, and no one knows in the future how to do it because it had to look your way today. You, you need you need to give us the, the freedom for failure. Uh, that's where God all throughout Scripture is, is a tremendous example because he gives Adam and Eve the command to cultivate and protect the garden. By the way, where it, it, at the very everyone overlooks that line it says he he plants the garden eastward in Eden and then places them there, which means what it didn't cover the whole earth and. Uh, it, it, they weren't already there. Otherwise, there'd be no need for him to plant it and then place them there. They'd already be there. Right. And then he tells them to cultivate and protect it. But he gives them the leeway to do that and fail. And yeah, they end up exiled, but he's not done with them. He tells Abraham to sojourn to the promised land. But he, the guy really messes up a lot along the way. Like He has to claim his wife as his sister more than once, which is a really weird situation. I mean, he, he's giving them leeway, but he's also I'm going to give you enough room to learn something from this the hard way. Uh, when the apostles, Jesus sends out the apostles, man, they mess up a lot. And then they got to have the whole first council 
uh, it, which is recorded in the book of Acts, right, over whether or not the Gentiles have to follow the Mosaic law. Well, that was because why? The church leadership couldn't figure it out on their own, and they had to sort of box out the issue. But what's happening? I mean, Jesus, yes, sent them the Holy Spirit. Yes, he is the head of the church. And yes, he's also giving his leaders that he has sent out the leeway to get their hands dirty and figure it out themselves the hard way. That's what good leaders do. That's what good fathers do. That's what good servants do. If you are getting micromanaged and handheld, uh, you a disservice is being done to you, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's a hard thing to learn. And it's a hard thing to do. And you mentioned being a a parent, right? And that's Mm -hmm. so hard at times to let your kids go out and make those mistakes and to to watch and know that they are going to screw it up and to let them do it anyway. Uh, That's a hard thing to do. And And not to get impatient because like this weekend I had my, my son was cutting, I had my son cut the grass and he did fine. He got frustrated in a few spots and I helped him. But uh, I, like it was hard not to take the lawnmower from him. Why? He was doing a great job. He was doing a great job, but he was doing a much slower job than I would have. And I wanted to get it done. What? But it was much, but much more important that he learns how to cut the grass and to be responsible and all that stuff. So so it just took longer than it otherwise would have. And so be it. Yeah. So, I mean, if my kid is snow blowing, shoveling and mowing the grass, I could care how long it takes and how it looks because I didn't have to do it. That's the magic. Because someday yes. I'm going to have to do it again, and that's not going to be fun. Anyway, um, I like that word hobble. Um, and I, I've seen things that were hobbled before in my life, but I went out uh, this past spring here in Wyoming out into a 2,000-acre grazing lot, and there were cows everywhere, and the cowboys were on their horses, and the cowboys got off their horses, and they hobbled the horses so they couldn't run away. So if, if you don't know what a hobble is in reality, it's, it's a rope or a piece of leather or something which you use to tie the legs of animals together so they can't run away on you. And, and when, when we use that phrase to be hobbled, it, it's, it's, to really, it's to stop you. It's to stifle your growth. It's to stifle your progress. And hob, being hobbled in the context of, a, in, of Christianity or to, in the context of having a leader who hobbles your growth is not a good thing. No, I, 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 and it takes away your independence. You, you're, because you should, uh, something that is hobbled can and wants to move on its own, but it can't. Right. It, it, it should be able to. Like a, you know, like, um, like I'm not, I'm not like if a bird is hobbled, it can't fly. I'm, I'm not a hobbled bird, right? I just don't have wings and capability of flight. But if you're something that ought to be able to fly or ought to be able to run and you're impeded and you'd like to, well, you, you've been hobbled. And so it's, you're looking at something that has been robbed. It's a really scary thing. And we do. And it's, it's especially scary to see us do that to each other um, and to systemically hobble even ministries in our churches and people in our churches. Why? So that I can have my little fiefdom. I've usually seen it come because the individual doing it ultimately really has no other place in their life where they feel significant. And so I have to have my little fiefdom, even if it's cookie baking. And 
that's uh, they, they don't have that maybe maybe psychologically you can wrap your head around that but to do damage for three or four generations because no one else you know no one else can can rise to contribute it's terrible because when someone feels like they're hobbled and feels like they can't lead and contribute they don't just say well i guess i won't bake cookies i'll go do something else they usually say well i guess i'm going to check out yeah i'm not wanted and- here yeah, I'm not wanted. I'm at at best. You'll see me on Sunday at best. Right, and I see that uh, like you. I've seen that all over the place within the church. the The people that that do that hobbling use a very sneaky and crafty means to keep people out of their territory. Often because we bake cookies for the festival and we can't have bad cookies. We need to have consistent cookies If people have come for this consistency for 20 years and we can't have new people baking because we can't have bad cookies. We can't have bad chanting on Sunday because people will leave. So what is this? This says that the actual leadership in the church hasn't said, listen, you're right. We need good cookies during the festival. We need good chanting on Sunday morning. We need strong teaching on Sunday morning, on Wednesday nights, et cetera, et cetera. However, it is now your responsibility seeing that we need to have those good cookies and the good chanting to start teaching people to do it other times. You need to start chanting during the week. You need to start cooking six months ahead of time and teaching people how to do it. This This is higher level leadership failures. When, when we start oh, yeah. seeing that within the church, of which I am responsible and have seen it firsthand. Oh, yeah. We call it back in the army. We call that being a force multiplier. If the force of leadership stops with you, so what? Uh, a force multiplier extends that as far as it can. So, you know, what, what, what might have impacted one soldier or one parishioner now impacts the entire platoon, the entire parish. Or what might have impacted one parish can now help the entire metropolis. And this is one of the reasons, and it's such a double-edged sword, but this is one of the reasons why I've enjoyed doing so much online as a result of this pandemic. In in the positive sense, uh, social media and the internet has been, for those of us who can minister online, uh, a force multiplier. Because instead of preaching to you know, I've been I've been at parishes where, like, for example, a large Greek Orthodox parish, you know, if you say you've got a, a Sunday attendance of 320 people, that's a big parish in the Greek Orthodox Church. Um, well, guess what? You put up a video online, you can get 3000 views. So for 15 minutes of your time, you can preach to 3000 people, not just 300. And if you're getting the 300 on Sunday, plus another 3000, I mean. That is a force multiplier, the very definition of it. And if you're and if you're not micromanaging it, guess what? And I've got a, a very good friend of mine in the metropolis, Father Angelo, who he's also form, former army. Well, guess what he's done? He's incorporated into his videos, um, you know, a, a, a lay person who asks him questions. And they've got a, a wonderful tech guy who is paid by the parish to be their communication specialist who does advertising and monetizing of the videos and editing and all this stuff. And I mean, the, it's not just the father Angelo show. It is a team that is force multiplication. That's how good leadership works. Bingo. I think uh, we are, we are definitely out of time. Uh, Father Michael, please tell everyone where they can find us. Yes. So in addition to finding us right here on anchor FM, 
at On the Battlefield. You can also find us at On the Battlefield Media in your Google bar. You can go to onthebattlefieldmedia.com on the interwebs. Uh, also on Facebook and Instagram, you can search for On the Battlefield Podcast and find us there. And on those platforms, especially the Facebook page, you will find uh, a lot of other great related content that will uh that will definitely be worth your while. So uh, check in and like and share and subscribe and do feel free to send us any questions and comments. Uh, We'd love to make this a dialogue rather than a monologue. Amen. Uh, So let's close with prayer. Glory to the father, to the son and to the Holy spirit, always now and forever and under the ages of ages. Amen. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Holy father bless. Christ, our God, guide the hands of these, your servants, unto every good work, and cover them under the shelter of your wings. For you bless and sanctify, and you ascribe glory to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Cool, Father uh, Michael. Uh, the great talking with you today, and this dialogue that we had today about leadership is going to segue into the next time we meet, a talk about discipleship. Thank you.